You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. Stand for me! Yes! Honor me. You know why, Bill Dawes? I have no idea why. Because I am your 2019 Laugh Factory Madden Tournament Champion! Honor me with homage. Write your ode and sing your songs tonight. Honor me with thy women, for I am a champion, Bill Doss. Oh, it was a glorious moment. Wow, it's amazing. I'm so proud of you. I was on the battlefield. I saw my enemy with my eyes. Does anyone else know you're the champion other than you? Are you the only one who knows you're champion? Yeah, basically, I'm the only one who knows. I feel like that's like you just jerked, you just jerked off and bragged to people how good your wank was. Literally, Laugh Factory didn't promote the fact that we had a Madden tournament at all. Or that how many I was people were in the tournament? A lot. There was a lot of people. Look, here's the, the here's lot? the flyer. Fifteen. Here's the official flyer of which oh. I am the champion. And you played. Uh, yes, I'll go through them all right now. Tommy, you were there you, for you, my run. Jonathan, everyone knows. Yeah. Everyone knows black people can't play virtual sports. <laughs> um, I have. Like not if, true. If, if you're not competing against an Asian, you're not really competing against. Tommy, anybody. tell them in the first round who did I beat? Kareem Matthews, twenty-four to fifteen, Bill. He was the Los Angeles Rams. I was Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh huh. The second round, I beat none other than Chris Cope. That was the toughest game, I must say, Tommy. It was ten to seven, down to the wire. That was a close one. Good defense. Yes, he was. The Eagles, he picked a bitch-ass team, the Eagles, so I had to pick the Saints. Not you know? one woman got past the first round, I noticed. No, the Terminator did. Heather Terman, I think her name is Heather. She made it to the semifinals. Oh, oh she did. But right. after the second round against Chris Cope, I had to look my team in the eyes because we wanted more. You know, and I spoke to them like this. Hey, I want better execution. Are we clear on that? I want better fucking execution. I want you to get a little bit pissed off. All right, not a lot of people expect very much from us, do they? Do they? You've been reading about us? Not a lot of people expect enough from us. I'm tired, man. I'm tired of reading about it. Tired of reading about it. It's time for you to stick your foot up somebody's ass, man. Yeah, man. I'm looking for a relentless every situation screen. Every situation. pick it up tonight. Yeah. Because we're capable of being a great football team. Isn't it amazing how I sound just like John Gruden? You do. And I added the whole orchestral score just to get that extra ounce of inspiration. Yeah. And I added because we played D.L. Hughley producer Jay Phillips. And what did we do, Tommy? We beat him. We beat him. That's awesome, man. 21 to 6. Have you called your parents yet and told them? 24. 21 to 6. No, I have not. I haven't caught him in a couple days. Have you, tweet, about have you tweeted about it? Yes, I did. How many retweets did it get? None? I got seven likes on it. You got seven likes? Yeah, bro. That's more than your normal, you know, right? <laughs> and then, of course, in the finals. Why do you sound like John Lovitz right now? I played Jonathan Tumblin, who in the previous round had won by how many points, Tommy? Uh, a lot of points. 30. 30. <laughs> he scored 62 points in the semifinal round. Who did he play? Um, Jay Green, and tell and tell me something, Tommy. Okay. As we were walking to Greenblatt's, and I was getting a drink before the big match, before the Super Bowl final. Mm-hmm. What did Jonathan Tumblin tell you about his confidence going into the final Super Jonathan Bowl? Jonathan was feeling good. He had been watching the streams of you playing, and he said you you only did two plays. Whoa, two plays. Technically three plays, but yeah, yes. But you know what? You still <laughs> in ran this information. In Do you know why? Consistency. Bill Dawes, because I operate like the 2008 Indianapolis Colts. We operate out of the same package most of the times, but it's the root trees that are different. So while there are only three plays, there are almost an infinity amount of roots based on how the defense plays. And that is why we did what? Tommy Wakefield. We won. 
Took him to the house. We took him to the fucking house, people. What are the plays? What are the three plays you played? You think I would tell you? 24-14. Basically, you Madden players out there, let me tell you guys and gals, you got to pick the Arizona Cardinals offensive playbook. You got to operate with Cliff Kingsbury's offensive playbook out of the shotgun cluster eight Mm. package. And I'll let you find your own way there within. But yes, it is true. I am a champion, and for this, I've been given what, Bill Dawes? What is my present here? Definitely, you haven't gotten sex, but... uh, (laughs) Sad but true. You got a Laugh Factory denim jacket. Show the folks what I've won. Yeah, it's like... This is my bounty. Yeah. For my victory. Vikings used to get... What did Vikings get? There's a white trash woman working at Walmart (laughs) and like... Tupelo, who would love this jacket. I just love how it's the Laugh Factory Funhouse. What's the Funhouse? It's a denim Laugh Factory jacket with a sewn-in hoodie liner, which I think is actually pretty ahead of its time, considering well, this was made it's in the It's the Funhouse, because you know Jamie doesn't want to pay for anything. So some company called Funhouse <laughs> Jamie like, hey, if we promote, is the owner of the Laugh Factory. If we Factory. co-promote with the Laugh Factory, can, we'll give it to you for free. Yes, yes, I love that. But so I'm a champion forever, and they can never what, Tommy? Take that away from you. Take it away from me. I have a hat now. Whoa! I know. Do you see this? Yeah. It is the. It is the. It is the. Uh, it is the throne upon which my brilliance sits. Mm-hmm. This hat. Good job, man. How long Thanks, were you man. practicing Madden before you were able to win? I looked at one YouTube video about how I should use the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> offensive playbook, and that was it. Really? Like I literally spent like 15 minutes, like, okay, how do I play this game again? And like, I was so surprised that no one was better than me. It was kind of amazing, actually. Well, were I these expe- people like real players, though? I expected to lose like every match. You, you know? think that more comics would be really good at that game? Well, you know, Brett Riley was ranked in Madden at one point, so he was like to me the ranked heavy, by who? Like by the Madden people, I think. You know, like he was really good. And he's... Uh, How do you know that? Because Brett Riley told me. Moving on. <laughs> but he was beat 7-13 to 13 by Jay Phillips in the first round, who I later beat Jay Phillips. And I think, you know, I talked to Brett about this, and I think what happened with him uh-huh. is he has his money plays, his mm-hmm. plays that he runs from Madden 19, and Madden 20 is completely different. Like, they took out a lot of the packages. But alas, a true champion does what Tommy adapts for victory. Right? Yeah. Speaking of Hard Knocks, are you watching Hard Knocks? I don't watch Hard Knocks. I know about. I've watched clips from Hard Knocks. Yes, you know one could say that I circumcised the competition. You know how could one say that? Because I just said it. <laughs> Segway. Uh, Antonio Brown, his feet. He accidentally entered a cryogenics therapy. Well, first of all, how do you accidentally shoes. enter a cryotherapy? I, I think just somebody didn't. He was either probably doing it himself. He didn't have. I think he know. was doing it himself. Yeah, and he burned his feet, and this is what he compared his feet to. If you have seen the pictures, they're horrific. You know oh, really? I mean? Oh, they are fucking horrific. I'll show you right now. I but think it's there's something like, fishy going on. There's something like Jeffrey Epstein conspiracy <laughs> theory going on with his feet. Did you see, like, basically Indiana Jones, the face melting scene? Oh, movie? yeah. It basically looks like, not the end of that, but like, like you know, a third of the way through that. Well, he still has some face, but it's like melting. It's so did he just go into the absurd. cryotherapy? Did he go totally naked? A frost, it, it's, it, it had extreme frostbite, like a mountain climber. Like an alpine mountain. Because I do the cryotherapy. You wear socks, and then you wear sandals with like. When you go in, he wasn't wearing any footwear whatsoever, none. And if you didn't wear underwear, you get your dick frozen. Are you serious? Yeah. Damn, that sucks. Luckily, AB didn't do that. Okay, but here he is talking about his feet on the latest episode of Hard Knocks. You want to see it? Ugh. Are you sure you want to see it? Uh. Uh. It's just a big vaginal gash in the middle he of the You look like you're walking foot. a little. Oh, fine. that's not that yeah, bad. Feet is pretty much you should see him last week. Right? They're better now. <laughs> All right. Yeah, For like, real. Like circulation? Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, he could have like, lost a toe with that shit, right? Oh, easily, easily, easily. I think he's a big problem. Something's going on with that guy. We'll talk about that in one second. It looks like you're walking a little funny. Yeah, my feet is pretty much getting circumcised, right? <laughs> All right. Yeah, For like, real. Like circulation? Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 With the new skin. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like a pullback right now. They're having two different conversations (laughs) with each other. Yeah. Hopefully, my feet born again. He's making a dick analogy. And they're like, yeah. Yeah. Feel sorry for me later. Thank you. 
Yeah, exactly. I love it when white people try to be hip around a black person. It's so funny. Oh, yeah. Circumcised, right? Like it's, uh, <laughs> No, he goes like circulation, right? Circulation. He he <laughs> and he's talking about pulling back his dickhead. Well, I'm not yeah. quite sure Antonio Brown knows how circumcision works. You know, so he's probably uncircumcised. He's probably uncircumcised, and he's heard that they cut it off. And he's heard that they cut it off. So he goes, I guess this is what it means for me circumcised. What happened to my feet? Is I got circumcised? Is that what you think is going on there? Because I, I had the much more time going on than that. trying to figure out what's going on in Antonio Brown's mind. You know, he sat out this week because he couldn't get his uh, his helmet, his designated NFL helmet, which he's used for ten years. He couldn't get it approved, so he threatened to retire with the Raiders and went into arbitration. Where, okay, of course, let, let's back up with that a little bit. So yep. it's a helmet design, not the exact same helmet. So this helmet, uh, the NFL had new standards to wear helmets that mm-hmm. were instituted this year. Yeah. Okay? So that helmet is an old helmet. And because it's older than 10 years, he can't get it certified under the new rules that it must pass. So he did everything from taking the old helmet, which was a Pittsburgh Steelers helmet, hiring somebody to paint the Raiders logo on it, but the color scheme didn't exactly match. <laughs> so everyone was like, what the fuck is he doing out there? But I get that. If you, if he's OCD and he yeah. has a, a superstition about his performance right. linked to his hat, I understand that. Link to his hat. You want to have your, your helmet. Well, I get, Tom Brady did back him a little bit, and then the media kind of like went easy on him as soon oh, as he course. got Brady's backing. But I don't know. I think like, you know, there's no such thing as a concussion-proof helmet. You know, and I don't think the NFL really cares to make it. Like, if they wanted to, they could literally just put, like, $5 million worth of towards research to develop a concussion-proof helmet or whatever. And they could have one developed in two years Yeah, like they wanted to. The problem is the more armor and protection you give a player, the more uh, the defended player will have the same armor protection. They'll go harder. They'll go faster and harder, and they'll hit harder. Yeah, it is both a shield and a sword. Yes, exactly. You know, which is why I think they should go back to leather helmets. I'm so serious about that. I mean, look look at Australian Rails football and rugby. Those guys are fine. They don't have a lot of brain damage. And they don't wear... (laughs) And they don't wear they don't wear any kind of helmet. I no. think if you wore a leather helmet, it would protect enough while discouraging using it as a weapon. Yeah. Which is why I think. Are you ready, Tommy? Are you ready for a Sean Joshi improves life and watching TV alert? Can you mm-hmm. cue that up? That music, Ba-da-ba-bum, please. Bum 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 Better not a bum bum bum. Now verse two. That's the music. Yeah. Oh, I like that. You know what I like? Here's It kind of sounds like a '90s sitcom. Absolutely. I would say '80s sitcom. Like Perfect Strangers a little bit. Yeah. Now he's just going crazy with it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I ran out of tape. I'd have to run it back. <laughs> Tommy, are you done hijacking the fucking show yet? No, no, please continue. I forgot what I was talking about. Let's just talk about you, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I approve life I in TV. Life. Yes. I think in the upcoming XFL season, which is coming back. <laughs> XFL is coming back? XFL is coming back. It's being ran by Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's dad, and the former like CEO of NFL Europe. And Donald Trump. Oliver Luck and Donald Trump. If I were the XFL, I would have them wear leather helmets. I think that's genius. They should wear leather helmets on the XFL. Well, tell me you wouldn't watch that. I would absolutely watch that. I would absolutely watch that. And we will get some awesome, interesting, like, foundational research yeah. into whether it would work or not. Yeah. And it kind of feeds into their whole thing of, hey, we're not pussies. We're the XFL. Yes. Bruh. That'd be great. We do it old school. I mean, well, yeah, if they just we only have sex throwback, just a throwback lead so all the uniform was just, yeah. like, from the 20s. Yeah, that would be the shit, man. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. You so know? you'd have the, you'd Without have the, the, the goalpost like on the goal line, so people would run into it and break <laughs> yeah. their necks. Dude, I've always hated like it gives me anxiety. Like sometimes, like I remember growing up, you would still see footage of field goals like that, and yeah. they would still have it in the CFL. And every time, it would give me like unending anxiety. Like, how can they play football with that field goal post right there in the middle? Like, it's oh insane. They actually used to have the field goal post on the goal line. Yep. You're too young to ever have seen that footage. You know, some people come amazing. across the middle and they just. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll see what happens. But preseason, I love NFL preseason. I love everything. Why do you love it. preseason? Because so everyone has so much hope and expectation, and the rookies play. You get to see every rookie quarterback play. And for some reason, I've always loved like summer league and preseason for that, that you get to see the rookies actually ball out. Because usually in the regular season, you don't really yeah. get a chance to like watch them. You know, like so the, the Giants uh, play the Jets. 
New York, New York, right? Meadowlands shit. Mm. Daniel Jones comes in, who everybody has been given such a hard time. Gettleman drafted him sixth. You know what I mean? Uh, he wasn't even on a lot of people's first round draft boards. Some people thought he was a second, maybe even third round prospect. And here comes the, you know, dick in their hands, Giants drafted him at sixth. The kid comes out. You know, Eli doesn't do anything. My boy, Eli Manning, doesn't do anything, right? Daniel Jones comes out looking like, you know, fucking Bobby Lane. <laughs> six to six, running the offense, throws a TD. Beautiful placement. I mean, Is Eli the starting quarterback for the Giants still? Beautiful placement on the touchdown ball Daniel Jones had. Beautiful placement. Yeah, is he yeah. supposed to be? The, is he going to take over for Eli this season? Yo, I think Eli can still ball, man. Really? No not. way. Dude. I just think, I think... I think, you know, he has maybe the worst or second or third worst offensive line in the league. And that has a lot to contribute to what is kind of going on there. You know, I think if they had better pass blocking, Eli can absolutely play. Mm -hmm. Yeah? I don't know, man. Why? I Why think, you I think the Mannings are done. Huh? No, Peyton can He's totally slowly, still come back. His, his, his stats have slowly been... Oh, yeah, yeah. They've been terrible. I want to make this clear. I'm one of the few people left in the world who believe Eli Manning can play. <laughs> but I also believe Peyton Manning can still play. So that's just me. I'm waiting for Peyton to get I think on people roster. still think that Eli will be the one person who can beat Tom Brady again. He can beat Tom Brady. That was he six years ago. He did it in such ago. miraculous fashion, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. They still like, think that's going to happen again. It won't ever. <laughs> but uh, speaking of uh, the Giants and Jets and Peyton connections, Peyton's old OC in uh, Denver is now the head coach of the New York Jets. Mm. Uh, one Adam Gase, who is known for his psycho eyes. How would you describe those eyes? They kind of remind right me there? of the New Zealand people that were at your apartment last night. Yeah, this is Adam Gase. Oh, yeah. He looks like he's doing a little bit of meth, maybe. maybe <laughs> he looks addiction. like he's totally bethed out. Adam Gase was recently, uh, before the Jets-Giants game, caught uh, doing smelling stalts before— uh, Oh, so he literally is on drugs. Yeah, yeah. Look at this Look at this gif. He was caught doing, doing smell smelling Look at him. Stalts? This is before the game getting jacked up. <laughs> and then and he, then he threw it. Look, he goes, Rah! goes full berserker mode. He's Whoa. like, let's go fucking get this preseason action. Uh, apparently, Adam Gase is a madman. Um, da, 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 da. And all these stories started to come out about how Adam Gase doesn't sleep. It doesn't care about his family at all. All he does is football. <laughs> like, listen to some of these stories. During his years with the Dolphins, when he was head coach, Gase lived across the street from O.C. Doel Logans. Logans. Logans would be jostled awake after midnight by his wife, Beth. Adam's at the door, she would say. I'm sure Beth loved that. <laughs> uh, Dolphins wide receiver Kenny Stills told Gase to stop texting him post-midnight because he kept waking him up. You get these texts from him until 4 in the morning on a regular basis. I don't think he sleeps a lot. I just don't think it's the smelling salts, buddy. You yeah. know what I mean? He walks into a meeting. Uh, need any coffee? Coach, no, no, no. I'm good on the coffee. <laughs> I don't need the coffee. Uh, fueled by five or six 20-ounce cups from a Keurig coffee maker that has an arm lens from his desk and a Red Bull here and there, has energy like a power plant. He has no windows in his office, so it's not aware whether it's night or day. Uh, and his wife, uh, Jennifer, says he gets home at 2 a.m. and typically goes back work to 6 when she travels with him to road games. They get a separate room because he's up most of the night watching They have not had tape. sex in years. He's up most of the night watching tape, which I think yeah. is code word for Russian prostitutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's that? You don't think they've I, I had think, sex? I, no, they're definitely not having sex, and she's just suffering through it. But I will say this. I think it's good to have OCD. Yeah. Like, he's OCD, and he gets to work at the thing that he's OCD about. Oh, That's yeah, cool. you should totally. Like, you got to go all in. You, you you know, and this is like a famous uh, pathos. Am I saying that word right? In, sure. In the NFL, like, that you're not working hard until you're sacrificing everything. Like, Joe Gibbs famously would sleep in his closet, uh -huh. and you ask him about it today, and he's like one of the biggest regrets of his <laughs> life. He's like, yeah, it was completely unnecessary, and I missed out on my children's childhood. Yeah. You oh, know? Yeah. But awful. speaking of which, Adam Gase does actually have children. Of course. And I'm glad you segued into that because we have a lovely little tidbit from none other than uh, Indiana Jesus, Peyton Manning. Oh, nice. You want to hear it? I'd love to hear it. All right. So this is uh, – this is okay. So Gase has kids. This is after the birth of one of his kids, all right? Every Tuesday when he was in Denver, Gase met with Peyton Manning at 2 p.m., except this Tuesday when Jennifer, his wife, was delivering his son Wyatt by cesarean section. Gase told his wife to schedule the operation for 10 a.m., Quote, so they pulled the baby out of me and said, it's a boy, Jennifer says. They didn't even put my organs back and sew me up before he's like, you good? I said, yeah, <laughs> I'm good. He said, all right, then I'm out. They said, you want to cut the umbilical cord? He said, no, I'm good. 
At 2 p.m., Manning was stunned to find Gase waiting for him in the meeting room. Manning, you got to be kidding me. Didn't your wife just have a baby two hours ago? Gase replied, yeah. But did you really think I was going to let you win this one? That sounds like something that would be in a court document for a divorce. <laughs> like that exact exchange is like, your honor, exhibit A, of why this man should not have to pay alimony. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. So how much do you think uh, Adam Gase's kids are going to hate him? Or will they not even know he's around? I think his son will definitely hate him. Yeah. And, and try to be like make his dad proud and play football. Oh, yeah, but he'll yeah, be like yeah, shitty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Totally. And then he'll end up joining art no school. One, and no one who's like a crazy madman OCD person like that has a kid that ends up being a great athlete. And it's true. I feel like even people who aren't around the house a lot. Like, did you see that Mr. Rogers documentary? Uh-huh. Dude, his kids, like that one kid, looks like he's been through the fucking <laughs> ringer, bro. He's got like a beard, a pop belly. He looks like he just came off a three-day drunk. Like he looks like Charles Bukowski, like oh yeah, in the middle of a binge. And it's like, bro, yeah. your dad is Mr. Rogers. You, yeah. like, how'd you end up like this? You know there are moments where he was at a bar drunk and someone's like, hey – your dad, like, saved my life. He's like, fuck you. And he threw the bottle against a mirror that yeah. shattered. He was there for you. He was never there for me. Stumbling out against the pinball machine. When you're America's dad, you don't have the time to actually be one. You know what I mean? That's the sequel to the documentary. <laughs> well, they're actually, Tom Hanks is making a, uh, coming on December, he plays uh, Mr. Rogers in an actual feature film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that, yeah. yeah I wonder where the conflict is in that man's life to make like a full-length narrative Well, they can't, they can't go – oh, no. The conflict is going to be well, the his – His own kids? Him approving of gay people and black people on the show. Right. That's what it's going to be about behind yeah. the scenes. It's going to be like Sully, like the movie Sully. Well, what was Sully, the conflict Sully, Sully? didn't have it that, – that's exact. I was just going to bring that up. Sully didn't have like a narrative – Focus. Yeah. It had nothing driving. The conflict it. was like, did you do everything you could? And they're like, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. And then there was the one evil guy who was like, no, according to the simulator, you wouldn't have done it right. Yeah. Like everybody wasn't blowing deep gag yeah. at Captain Sully at that fucking yeah. point. Like one Rob Cordry would be like, no, the yeah. simulator's rug. And then the bad guy was like, no, you did it wrong. And then they show him. He's he like, goes, well, you didn't well, account right. for You're human a hero. Flight. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, both it's the same thing. I like the flight uh, end scene better. You know what I mean? Yeah. He gets all like liquored up again and like coked <laughs> up just so he can handle the meeting. He's like, "Yeah, I yeah. fucking did it." You know what I mean? Yeah. But speaking of preseason, mm-hmm. we are continuing to get Aaron Rodgers' pop culture thoughts. You know, you mm. think in Green Bay they'd be worried more about if Matt Lafleur and his new uh, famously or infamously difficult uh, quarterback are getting along, <laughs> but Aaron Rodgers seems much more concerned still about the ongoing. Uh, Game of Thrones finale drama and uh, Quentin Tarantino movies, which I love because because mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers actually seems very like informed, like he yeah. knows he knows I, what's up. I think he's got one foot out the door, man. I oh, think dude. Aaron Rodgers is looking forward to his Dancing with the Stars. He's looking forward <laughs> for like cameos and movie. I think he's gonna be an actor. No, I think so too. I mean, he was in he was in Game of Thrones, the penultimate episode. Aaron Rodgers was. Yeah, he was an extra. But he was still in it. Did you see him? No, that's the whole controversy. Is people saw people were like, was this you? Was this you? And he's like, no, I wasn't either of those. <laughs> so uh, he dated uh, the chick who played Olivia Munn. Olivia Munn. That he dated. Uh, have, do you have, have you met I Olivia hate Munn? Her. You have. You know, what? I've never met her, but everything about her I hate. Because we know a comic who used to date who? Meghan Markle, not Olivia Munn, but who is abetted a Meghan a Markle. Who? Uh, can I say this? Of course you can. Uh, you Brian, want anyone to listen to your podcast? Say it. <laughs> Brian Moreno has had relations with the uh, Meghan Markle there. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah I wonder yeah. if he feels cool. Back or when like she a was still on chump. suits. <laughs> he's on know? suits. You think Prince Harry could aim a little higher? You know, he was bragging. He's like, "Hey, I banged that girl." So <laughs> now suits. he's like, "I banged the princess." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally elevated his like his thing there. But uh, yeah, but I also I get Aaron Rodgers' thing. He's like probably maybe the best quarterback in the league right really? now. Really? Still? I think so. Still, but he's so mired by a bad team, and he has people trying to tell him what to do. You know what I mean? Like, he knows more than everybody else. You know, like, Peyton Manning was the offensive system. He told – he met with the offensive corner, and they decided what they were going to do. Yeah. Nobody came and told Peyton yeah. what he was going to do. So I could get somebody call, coming and telling Aaron Rodgers, who Aaron Rodgers is kind of like Peyton in the sense that he will audible on the field, like, all the time based on what he sees. Yeah. You know, and Matt LaFour is like, no, we have a game plan. We have to unroll it. You know what I mean? I say let A-Rod be A-Rod. You got a Lamborghini. 
you yeah. got a Tesla, let the fucking thing rip. Of course. It you was like I mean? when that coach, the Heat, tried to start coaching LeBron James <laughs> for the first And then LeBron was like, Cleveland? fucking take it down. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Back when, they were, when, when he was in Miami. But he was, he was cool with Spolstra. Spolstra, he kind but of But I think respected. Spolstra at one point was like, I'm the coach. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. No, yeah, yeah, I love in, in Cleveland how he just ignored David Blatt. Like they were coming <laughs> out of a timeout, and David Blatt's like, we're going to do this play. And then LeBron's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then when David Blatt studies, he's like, okay, guys, we're going to run this play. And they literally went and ran LeBron's play. Yeah, and he was, like, fired it. two weeks later. But, yeah, it's crazy how in the NBA, like, the coaches have no power. Mm-mm. And in the NFL, they're, like, mini little, like, feudal lords. It's like being a director for a TV show. When you direct a TV show, <laughs> the actors so don't funny. give a shit. On a movie, they'll respect you. But yeah, a TV yeah, show, yeah. like, the guest director for Law & Order comes and tells Mariska Hargitay what to do. She's like, fuck <laughs> you, dude. I'll walk where I want. Make the camera I'm, work. I'm the fucking Hargitay. Yeah. Nobody tells the Hargitay how to work. Yeah, so Aaron Rodgers is the Hargitay of the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is the Hargitay. But are, were you on a Game of Thrones guy or no? Yeah, you what? You watched all of them? I mean, I thought it was shit at the end, but I watched it, was it all. It was terrible at the end. Um, and here's what: here, we're gonna go and see if we agree with or we don't agree with Aaron Rodgers' pop culture opinions. Do you have the Aaron Rodgers pop culture music, Tommy? Tommy, do the music. The Aaron Rodgers. Tommy, Shit, Tommy, fucking things up. Quit swiping on Tinder, no, you I'm freak. Not <laughs> yes, seriously. I, I lost the mic. We have the worst producer. In no, the hey, 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 hey. Music. It's Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rod- pop you know, culture music. Yes. Boom 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 boom. Oh, that one. That one was okay. It was yeah. a little half-assed, but I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, when discussing what series you would like to see after Game of Thrones that take place within the Game of Thrones world, mm-hmm. uh, I think I agree with this. He said, I don't care what's going on at King's Landing. Braun, I don't care about. Don't care about the Unsullied, Mm-mm. especially at the Cade. Uh, don't care about Sansa. He goes, if I were, and Tommy, you can weigh on this as well. If I were to watch a show after Game of Thrones that took place in that world, it would be two things. Arya, West of Westeros, and John and the Wild. A hundred percent. That's what I care about. One million percent. Dude, I felt that. Right? Yeah. Like, I feel like Aaron Rodgers speaks for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? He should run for president. He would win. He would win. Except for, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> he, he would win. He would win. But, but I love Arya. If, if you care about, first of all, it was the most botched series ending ever. Ever. Yeah. It's like those guys has already moved on to Star Wars or something. like, Or just they didn't have the source material. It's like, oh, when you have one of the genius fantasy writers of your generation, yeah. and then all of a sudden the source material is bad, and the plotting and the spacing and the pacing goes off, and so does the dialogue. I think those two are probably directly yeah. correlated. They're like, we gotta wrap this up. We don't know how to end this. <laughs> gotta, I feel like it's gotta be an ego problem of like, they thought everything that they were doing was brilliant. Oh, but they in reality, it. it was George R. R. Martin who was brilliant, and they just thought that, yes. you know, like exactly. they were rewriting his stuff, but then in their heads, it was them writing it. It's like what happens when you have like a movie, totally. a, a, a book that becomes a movie that becomes a hit. So they go, let's do a sequel to the movie. Right. But there's no book left. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. sequel is always garbage. Totally. Shitty. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally agree with you, but I would love Arya West of Westeros. I think oh, that would be so best character. fucking amazing. So great. And great. also, like, we get to watch her grow up and become a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, we're not the only ones that have criticized it ruthlessly. Like, did you see Seth Rogen at the Comic-Con panel? Like, speaking your, like, uh, point on the hubris of yes. Beinhoff and Weiss. So they don't even show up to the Comic-Con panel, right? Which is a total <laughs> kind of pussy move. So Seth Rogen... Uh, Seth Rogen shows up instead, and he just, like, fucking ripped into him on the panel directly after the Game of Thrones panel. And it was kind of hilarious, if I can find it to load it. Uh, Here's Seth Rogen. Let's listen to him real quick. Uh, And the show's ending. I just want to start by saying I know we're following the Game of Thrones panel, which is a fucking nightmare, just objectively. Um, I also know that their showrunners didn't show up because they didn't want to answer questions about the show. So uh, I just want to say that I, I, I am not one of the creators of Game of Thrones, but I am the creator of other TV shows, so feel free to ask me any Game of Thrones questions you guys have. <laughs> Throughout the night, I'm not an expert. I didn't read the books, but I watched the show, so I can give you my insights and thoughts just as to hey, how they pulled it off. What yeah. what a see, what series finale is going to be more satisfying, Preacher or Game of Thrones? I think I, I hopefully I, I won't be. I, I'm here at least, so I think that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to 
want to show my face. Life. And what I would also like to say is I would imagine those guys regret making Bran the king. Because ultimately, he doesn't have the best story. And that's... Uh... If, if you guys aren't coming up to the mic in the next little... I love that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just coming out. But I think he's right. And, and, and Aaron Rodgers actually has brilliant points on this that I think I, I agree with as well. He says, I think Sansa would have been epic to have Sansa on the Iron Throne or Danny on the throne or Tyrion on the throne. I'm not saying John didn't deserve the throne, but I think it would have been a little anticlimactic. If John was on the throne? Yeah. yeah. I totally agree with that. I think all of that is read correctly. I, I, th I agree. I think if John's on the throne, people are like, oh, yeah, of and course. It's a little too obvious. Yeah, but people also want satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what, what I, mean? I would have done? I would have had uh, Arya on the throne as Cersei. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. I, I don't mind that. I don't hate that. And Sansa would know, and fucking Jon would know, you know? And, what? But they would have to still kill that other one. Why didn't Arya do any Jerry. face shit? In, in the, the last, last episode. episode. Oh, literally, that's Seth Rogen's next point. It's like, he's like, he didn't do any face stuff in the whole episode. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, which is crazy, right? Um, By the way, what's funny about this, too, is you could tell the guy who plays Preacher next to Seth Rogen is like kind of like, can we talk about my TV show? Dude, but only I, 40 people watch Preacher, so Can no I cares. give you a high five on that? Because I watched this whole thing. Like That was the worst high five ever. Watch the. Uh, I watched this whole thing like last yesterday night. You know when you get high, like I'm going to bed, and then you get stuck watching these dumbass YouTube videos. Yes. You know what I mean. And so <laughs> I'm watching this, and you can see the guy who plays preacher. He yeah. becomes like visibly agitated, and yeah. he even says something like, yeah. "Yo, this is my shine," and you're kind of like, "Yeah, you know." Nobody watched the show. Nobody knows your name, and you're not very good in the show. <laughs> Moving on. Yo, I thought preacher was good. You didn't like it? Well, nobody watches it, but I thought it was good. No, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else is What else does Aaron Rodgers say? Uh, he he thinks that Arya should have taken Cersei out in the end after after uh, the Hound thing. He thought it was a soft landing. Um, he thought the buildup wasn't that good, such as the big battle with the White Walkers. I feel like that should have been a multi-episode one. Easy, you know? easy. Or this is like I'm like, oh my god, does Aaron Rodgers get like story and character and, and like yeah, he narrative? Does. And he's like, or more people should have died because they had so many characters left to resolve, so they had to slam everything quick, quick, quick because episodes were not two hours like we originally thought they were going to be. Can I give you the pimp? Right! Yep. Can I give you the pimp-ass ending that I heard that would have oh, saved me. the series? Tell me, tell me, tell me. So instead of making it that, sh that uh, D Danny was just bitches being bitches, you know, like, women be crazy, women be tripping, like, that was just so <laughs> weird, like, I'm emotional, it's my period, let me kill the fucking, yeah. you know, whole, you know. Mm -hmm, totally. Instead of that, the bells ring, there's a cease, there's a whatever ceasefire, whatever the fuck it is, and everyone's chilling, and we're going to have a peaceful takeover, and there's one more giant dragon-killing arrow left right. that a rogue person comes and gets and fucking kills John's dragon. Like, right. And the dragon falls with John. So there's John. no dragon. So she now. goes, the dragon's dead, and the love of my life is dead, and then she loses her fucking shit. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. would buy that. Man. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, that would make more sense from Danny's. Um, also, if somebody was saying, if like you know, Danny's assistant, if she had offered them peace, and then they still killed Danny's assistant after the peace was given, like something to like justify her going like crazy like that. Yeah, because it literally didn't make yeah, it literally didn't make any sense for her to just fly off the handle and start yeah. to destroy the city that after they had queen of. after they had already uh, surrendered. Yeah, and then she told breaker of chains, breaker of chains. You know what I mean? It's bullshit. But uh, not only was Aaron Rodgers' opinions confined to the realm of the failures of the last season of Game of Thrones, he's also a big Tarantino head, like I am myself. Mm. I love Tarantino. Did you see you Once Upon a Time in America? I did see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood. Hollywood. I've Different seen movie. Once Upon a Time in America too. That that's, that's a, a great, great movie. movie. La, 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 um, la, la, that's all I remember. And okay, so let me, let me, let me. All I hear about is Bruce Lee. Let me tell you. You haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. No. Oh shit, Bill! I'd already assumed you'd seen it. That's okay. I don't you would have had. You would have had great uh, insight. I only it. heard about the Bruce Lee fight. That I had mixed about. feelings about that. There's no spoilers to it. It's just you had to see it. It's yeah. it's completely paced in a different way. The only other movie that's paced like it is, I would say, Hateful Eight. Yeah. It's kind of like Hateful Eight, but I think Tarantino is at a point in his filmmaking where he's kind of bored by films. Yeah. I think he wants to make other art. Mm. I think he's writing plays now is essentially what he's doing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, I think Hateful Eight was a play. 
mm-hmm. you know? And I think in a lot of ways, I mean, Hateful Eight's easy to translate because it has like one set piece, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, obviously Once Upon a Time in America isn't like that, but it's very much driven by that same kind of, that same kind of uh, Can you imagine if he did a Broadway play? Every actor on the planet would want to He should. I, I think when he's done with movies, he's going to do stuff like that because he only has one more movie. The whole That's what he say. He said he's going to do 10 and he's out? The whole 10 movie thing. Yeah. No, he's not. Yeah. What yeah, the fuck yeah. else is he going to do? Male model? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's really into feet, as you can tell by Once Upon a Time in I had I had an ex audition for him, and she went down a whole foot rabbit hole. With, oh, really? With what him. happened? Yeah. He like wants to see your feet in the audition. In the audition, touch your feet and shit. Yeah, but what, did that have anything to do with the actual uh, audition itself? Or did that have something to do with the character? Was she showing her feet? In no, the movie? he just—he's just one of those dudes who jerks off to feet. So he was just like oh, checking. It's into not just—he's like, oh, this is a great angle to show feet. Yeah, he's sucking toes. He's jerking off in on, the auditions. Not on the audition, but yeah. I'm saying in real life. In real, I know with Kathy Griffin and stuff. Do you know Kathy what, Griffin? Oh yeah, Kathy Griffin told a story about hooking up with Quinn Tarantino like a long time ago, and that was like <laughs> he hooked up with Uma thing. Thurman at one point, and then Kathy Griffin. What movie? What movie was the foot Bull. thing for? Huh? What movie was the foot thing? Kill Bill. For? Oh, it's for Kill Bill, really. There yeah, are there's a lot of close-ups feet of feet stuff in that movie, and, new, and in this one, there's a lot of feet stuff too. But mm-hmm. it's, I think it's, I think it's a really good movie. Um, as far as the Bruce Lee stuff goes, I did a little research, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of people are mad about the Bruce Lee scene because they're saying Bruce Lee is too cocky, or whatever. He doesn't really act like that. Well, you know, one, how do we know that? We've so we've so. Put somebody on a pedestal through nostalgia. Of course, he was cocky. Gone. Yeah, he was. He actually said that he could beat Muhammad Ali. He did say that. Yeah, it's uh, in his wife's autobiography. Well. And, uh, and I don't, I don't love Bruce Lee. Uh, and people took and and this would be my bigger issue with the scene was, you know, so they get into a fight on the set, and you know, Bruce Lee's talking smack about uh, Muhammad Ali that he can beat him, and Brad Pitt's like, you couldn't beat. Cassius Clay, he'd wipe the ring with you. And they go, oh, yeah, we will spy. We'll see who can knock each other down, best out of three, just not in the face, right? So they start doing it, and the first one, Bruce Lee comes, like karate flying, Liu Kang kick to the chest, <laughs> and he goes, you know, Brad Pitt goes down. The second one, he tries, Brad Pitt goes, try that again. And he tries that move, and Brad Pitt grabs him by the leg and smashes him into, like, the side of a car, like, <laughs> and bends it. So people are like, how can you have Brad Pitt Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee's family is like oh Bruce Lee would kick the shit out of Brad Pitt mm-hmm. and Quentin Tarantino's like it is a fictional character if I say this guy's a war hero who can fight with yeah. Bruce Lee he's a war hero and, who can fight and with also Bruce. Yeah. can we just accept the fact that Bruce Lee as skilled as he was he weighed like 104 pounds right so if a big guy is going to fight Bruce Lee like there's a reason why there's weight divisions in the UFC right because weight matters right, right I don't right. care how fucking tough you are if you're 100 pounds and you're a, a Sure. You're not going to beat me because I'll just fucking sit on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's 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 true, which is why, you know, some of the accomplishments <laughs> by boxers like Roy Jones Jr. are so great and they're forgotten. For a guy to go from a middleweight mm-hmm. to become a heavyweight champion is ridiculous. It's only been done twice or maybe that was the only time, I think, actually. Um, and, you know, the toughest thing to do is come back down and wait. It actually ruined Roy Jones's career. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I totally get that. But, you know, Bruce Lee, we have a very – uh, deified image of him, and I think it's good. But it, but why? Because he was just a martial artist. He wasn't like a no, he made religious his new, figure. Well, he made a new style of martial arts, right? Yeah. And martial he arts, made all action cinema. Martial arts like, is uh, you would know better than me. Imbued with certain philosophies of he's a philosopher. For you sure. know, be like water, a style of no style. You yeah, know what I mean? but it was all performance too. Yeah, of course. But no, I think he, he's a little overblown. No, he fought in real tournaments. He was a champion fighter in real action tournaments. And of course, there's always the rumors of what happened in San Francisco. You guys know that story, right? About his death. It ties into the conspiracy of his death. That he was one of the first ones to give away the secrets of the wushu. You know, the secrets of this fighting that was only meant to be protected by, you know, these gyms and this knowledge that was Mm. sacred and protected and handed down from gym to gym. It wasn't meant for consumption by Westerners. Uh And they said in San Francisco, this uh, actually... Uh, irked a lot of people the wrong way and he actually was in like underground fighting tournaments to win his honor mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah. so by winning those tournaments he was allowed to kind of proceed and, and do what he did and he ultimately died uh, at the same hands of those you know Mandarin type people who didn't want him they to they say he may knowledge. have been poisoned yes and it also extends his to his lady son. didn't call the hospital <laughs> when she found him motionless 
Yes. What? She didn't? No. There's a lot of weird shit around his death, Bruce Lee. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I just but think that these Win Chung, Ching Chong, whatever the – I mean, Ching Chong sounds so racist. Yeah, but, that is very – But Win Chung is the actual – Disavow. Is the actual – It's like Win Chung, right? Fanatics disavow. Wushu? He came – we can't. Is it Wing Chun? Was his original? Wing Chun. No, Wing Chun. It's Wushu. all bullshit. No, it's like the Dan Cook of martial arts. He it's was not effective. He was kung fu taught by. No, kung fu is garbage. You can't beat anyone with kung fu. <laughs> you can't beat someone. If someone came out and started, let me take your chi. That's garbage. That's why it doesn't work in the UFC. You see people come in with like he's a Wing Chun. It's Jeet, he gets beat up by a boxer from it's Detroit. Jeet Kune Do. <laughs> it's Jeet Kune Do, and uh, that was taught by the original IP man. Who also has some awesome films. Yes, IP, IP Man, Man One is Two Three. Fucking great. Uh, yeah. IP Man's great. Awesome but to get back shit. to Aaron Rodgers, uh, he was talking about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He goes, I think the acting was astounding. Brad and Leo were incredible. Margaret was too. It's so Tarantino. You never know what's gonna happen. But then they asked him to rank his favorite Tarantino movies, which I really respect. He goes, I'm higher on Hateful Eight than most uh, Tarantino people are, but I think Tarantino movies are really driven by standout performances, and I don't know if you can find a better performance than Christoph Waltz in Inglourious Bastards, Switch Between French, mm, German, good. Italian, and English. Pretty good. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lane, a great Hateful Eight was mm. great. Brad and Leo did, was right back up there. But he goes, Pulp Fiction was the first one, and I think it's tough to beat that one. Um, partially because it was the first Tarantino movie. So I think he goes, he goes. Wait, that was the first Tarantino movie? That Reservoir he saw. Dogs Reservoir Dogs, Dogs okay. that he saw. So he, he has them ranked Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards, mm -hmm. uh, then Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time. Oh, for the top four? He only went to four? He only went to four. What do you I, guys think about it? Well, I thought Hateful Eight, once upon a time I thought the Hateful Eight was really indulgent yeah. and should have been cut about half hour, and it was not that great. I disagree. I think if that movie was around in the 70s, it would have been fine and left alone with. I think Yeah, there are a lot of movies in the 70s that would have been good. It sucked now. <laughs> I think if it was loud on a stage, it would have been fine. I just yeah. think what you expect from Tarantino and the medium of film now, that it just like... It, it graded against those instincts. Yeah. Like, for instance, I naturally rebel against movies that take place in one place or a TV episode that takes place in one room. It's a bottle episode. It. It, gives, it gives me – is that the name for it? Yeah. It's, it, gives, it makes me claustrophobic. You know? That's what they want, though. That's the point of – that's why The Fly and Breaking Bad was such a controversial episode because The Fly was all about – that fly that they couldn't get out of the. the How do we lab? get to the point where you're now defending uh, and what I was? But I'm saying that's why they do defending. it. So they're yeah. trying to create claustrophobia. Yo, bro, you're bleeding on your chest right now, bro. Really? Yeah. Why are you bleeding? Where? All over <laughs> the place. Right there, dude. Look right here. No, it's not blood, dude. Right there is blood, though. Huh? Because I'm a fucking man, bro. Dude, that's crazy. Anyways, uh, <laughs> what would you think? What's your top four, Tommy Tarantino? Paul Fiction, Glorious, Reservoir Dogs. Kill Bill is probably my favorite. Mm -hmm. And I've just put them together. Yeah. Because that is just, yeah. the choreography okay. is incredible. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Tommy likes dance. Django. And maybe Django. Django is great. What about you? I would definitely say Pulp Fiction. Probably because it was a seminal piece of film. And then yeah. after Pulp Fiction, probably Inglourious Bastards. And then maybe, I like some performances in Django. I like it when people go, when weird shit happens. Yeah. Like Django when Leonardo DiCaprio actually broke that fucking glass on the table <laughs> yeah. and kept acting. Right. I could watch that That's scene forever, true. man. Yeah. I think I think those two are probably the marriage of perfect Tarantino and Glorious Bastards and Django because he's found he's found entertainment, the dialogue, the charm, the humor, the overall construction. It's like perfect actually. Yeah. I think those two, Django and Glorious along with Pulp Fiction, uh, are kind that's of, his legacy, man. That, that's Those it three. for me. Those are fucking great. Um, and not only that, Aaron Rodgers continues to impress with opinions on British office versus American Whoa. office. Dude, I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers goes deep, bro. He yeah. goes deep. We should let Aaron Rodgers run, you know, the Fox movie studio. He can't do any worse, you know. What do you say about the British versus American office? He said, uh, I don't want to pick between the two of them because they are so different. Because I love the British office so much. I didn't get into the American one until the second season. Then I went back and watched the first season. I just think the writing and acting is outstanding. I love them both. Uh, Roger said, typical Ricky Gervais. He only did two seasons of his, and the American did nine. 
the last two office, uh, last two episodes of the American Office are just fantastic. The first six or seven seasons are incredible. Eight is not as meaningful, and the last season in the Office, especially the way it was ended, was really, really well done. I think he's trying to make a play for Hollywood. I think, I think that's he's the whole making point. a play for fucking. He's Hollywood. making a good one. He's yeah. making a play for Hollywood because there are a lot of NFL stars who become pretty big movie stars and shit. Yeah, could happen. I mean, it happens in the WWE all the time, but those guys are so. Like, Have there been any white? Football players that became movie stars. White football players that became like obviously movie Jim Brown stars. was an example of a black one. But are there any white ones? Any quarterbacks that became movie stars? Joe Namath starred in movies. He like, did. Joe Namath starred in movies as like the headliner in movies. He played like in westerns and stuff. <laughs> and actually, in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, may, I, I think that's where I saw it. Actually, maybe there's a brief clip of when Margot Robbie's in the theater watching her own movie, where they have the trailer to a Joe Namath movie. Oh, that's hilarious! I think that's maybe where I saw it actually. And it just huh. felt like so perfect in that time period. Yeah, you know. And you know what I think Once Upon a Time in America is is really a love letter to L.A. The mm-hmm. Los Angeles, the old L.A. that Quentin Tarantino grew up in. Yeah, and and like. The plot of the movie is almost like secondary yeah. to that feel and that emotion of what what that is really. Yeah, for you sure. Know? Yeah, but that was cool. I think Aaron Rodgers is cool, man. But moving on to things, Nate Diaz thinks he's cool. You with your Tenth Planet Jujitsu uh, shirt, Nate Diaz <laughs> is fighting again soon. What do you think about that? I mean, I think Nate Di- he's an exciting fighter. It's an irrelevant fight. Like, who huh. wins is not going to determine the Nate outcome. Nate Diaz of the is team. done. I mean, in terms of will he ever be a champion in the UFC? Yeah. Of course not. No, there's really? no chance. No, he's 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 way too. I mean, his record's like what five hundred, right? I right. mean, I should not say that because he because he would fucking murder me. But he's <laughs> he's a great fighter and he's exciting, but he's not a real relevant fighter for the rankings. Yeah. So he he gave up DAP to uh, Khabib. He said he's the light heavyweight champion, and, and he talked about a few other people. But this is how he views himself as compared. To those other people. I mean, who's the champion in my weight class? Fifty-five and seventy. Fifty-five's Khabib. Okay. Seventy's Kamaru Usman. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it'd be I, nice. I, I feel like I'm just better and cooler than those guys. <laughs> I don't want to fight them for. Pettis is cooler than both of them. Fight, fight wise. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Remember Street Fighter? I want to see that versus that guy. Is like, he on drugs right now? Or just at school when you just need two dudes to kick. Yeah. And you were like, I wonder what would happen if them fools fight. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's that's the one that I think about it from outside perspective too. If I was somebody who wanted to watch me fight in the UFC, I would want to <clears throat> watch me fight Connor or Pettis or yeah. You know, Masvidal just did his thing the other day. That was great, you know. Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that. He sounds like Tyson now, man. He sounds so punch drunk, dude. He's just fucked up, man. Too much weed. Yeah, but he says he's better and cooler than those guys. And I agree. You yeah, know he's why? definitely cooler. You know why Nate Diaz is cooler? Yeah. Because Nate Diaz follows me on Instagram every Does he really? Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Holy shit. I yes, want him he to does. follow me. Well, he doesn't follow you, Bill Dawes, because he Fuck. follows me. God damn it. Yeah. What's up, Nate? Nate's my boy. How you doing, Nate? Come out to a show sometime, Nate. Come out, come out. Yeah, now if that Bill Dawes motherfucker talking shit about me, then I'll kill him. Let me wiggity, wiggity, wiggity my hat backwards. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson is in the nude news once again. Not in the nude once again. Uh, this is him on his latest uh, podcast, Hot Boxing, uh, talking about how much weed him and his boys smoke. Cue it, Mike Tyson. What do we smoke a month? The what? The forty thousand a month? We smoke forty like, at forty thousand a we month. We smoke ten tons of weed at the yeah. ranch a, a month. Wait, ten tons of weed a month. Ten tons of weed. Yeah. Forty thousand dollars worth of weed a month. Yeah. That's a lot of weed. That was some that, good math right there. <laughs> that's the rapper Jim Jones who's smoking a fat joint just like in disbelief as these guys are talking about how much weed they smoke. And what ranch, by the way, is Mike Tyson at? Yeah, Tyson Ranch is a 40-acre cannabis ranch in California City, California. Mike Tyson is smoking $40,000 worth of weed a month. And this is a man who once lost a $300 million fortune. And I'm pretty sure I could kind of guess how he lost it, Tommy. You know how? Drunk. By smoking $40,000 
worth of weed a month. This is a guy who at his at his he was worth three hundred million, and at his birthday party, he would give out like BMWs and Lexuses as party favors. You know, Jeremy listen to this. You guys want to hear some Mike Tyson yeah, tales? Man. Drop it on me. Four point five million on cars and motorbikes on just nineteen vehicles he bought for his friends. A hundred thousand a month on jewelry and clothes. Four hundred thousand dollars on pigeons. Pigeons. Oh, and a variety of big cats such as surf, Siberian tigers. That's Are you actually, allowed to have those cats? I think so. There's more. There's actually more tigers in Texas than there are in the wild. I've heard that, yeah. Um, and, you know, Mike Tyson, the reason he started fighting was because of pigeons. He was a peaceful kid in, like, the Bronx or whatever. And this was really shy, didn't fight anybody, kept to himself. And this bully, neighborhood bully, block bully, came and, like, decapitated one of his pigeons. Oh, shit. He used to kept pigeons. And as soon as he did that, Mike saw red, and he went, Literally Tyson on the guy for the first time. Yeah, and he beat the shit out of him. And Do that's you think when he's murdered that's someone when in real he, life. That's when he knew he could fight. Really? Yeah, yeah. And that's how it. One hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year for a trainer to take care of the cats. Two hundred forty grand of walking around money that he spent in daily life flexing. Three hundred grand on lawn care. Two hundred thirty on cell phones, pagers, and phone bills. Um, he said he purchased 111 cars in his lifetime. He bought the biggest house in the United States, I think, at the time. 21-bedroom, 24-bathroom in Connecticut with a casino and a nightclub. Jesus. Uh, he left his friends his cars and forgot where he put them. He would send employees out to find these automobiles because he didn't know where they were. He once found in his pocket tens and thousands of dollars he stashed two years ago. Uh, How did he make that much money? And he bought Robin Givens a golden bathtub for $2 million. A literal golden shower. A golden bath. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. How did – from boxing. Boxers, from like 10 years of boxing? Yo, boxers. He, if he made – if he, if he was Mike Tyson now, he could make a billion. Jesus. Like 300, 400 million. That's what Floyd made in like one and a half fights, if not even that. Do you think Which that- is why I would totally be – if I had a choice between being a boxer or a high level in UFC, you're a boxer. Like UFC doesn't pay you a scratch at all. Do you think that Mike Tyson ended up just being found out or do you think that he just lost his mojo? What do you mean? Oh. In terms of his boxing, do you think people just – they figured out how to beat him on the, on the Nintendo controller or do you <laughs> think that he well, lost straight it? straight up, that was one of the hardest video game challenges of all time beating Mike Tyson in the final level of Super Punch-Out. It took you so long to get there. <laughs> you only had so many chances. And the dude would hit you once, and Little Mac was down. Yeah. Fucking Little Mac was wearing a tank top against the heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> you know, this motherfucker was wearing a tank top. But you know how, like, Colin Kaepernick, his first year, like, you couldn't, like, oh, my God, he was so hard to defend. And then once they figured <laughs> they, him yeah, out, yeah, yeah. he was so easy to beat. Yeah. You think Tyson well, was like that? he wasn't easy to beat. Cap is still... Cap can still play. I He's think, never going to play again. He may never play again, but he was still like a seventy-nine QBR, which was middle of the pack. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't. Oh my God, amazing! But it wasn't like Nathan Peterman out of the league, you know, yeah. who isn't out of the league actually. But um, but oh, on Mike, you know, I think what happened with Mike, it was a combination of a couple things. For one, I think he's the most overrated fighter of all time, and I'll I'll, I'll get to why I think that. Um, Tyson? Yeah, I'll get to why I th- why I think that. But um, so he became the youngest heavyweight champion of all time. He did that. Uh, great. He, on the rise. Nobody could beat him. <laughs> great. Great. <laughs> but he was going up against like guys who were wearing their like pants up to their nipples. Yeah. Who were, like, 45 like, years old. Like so. like uh, one of them was uh, Joe Frazier's kid. You know, like guys, Leon Spinks, too, guys who weren't really in that type of weight class. It was when he came up in the late 80s, it was really at the tail end of that great heavyweight uh, stretch of boxing, which really had lasted until the 1920s up to that point. That was the first time we saw a void of great heavyweights. Mm-hmm. And Tyson came in and filled that void. So we really didn't see at the time kind of what was happening in boxing. But so he wins as the youngest heavyweight champion of all time at like 18. That stretch goes from, I think, 86 or 88 to 92 when he fights Buster Douglas in Tokyo. Okay? And he loses to Buster Douglas in Tokyo in probably the greatest upset, I think, in sports history. I, really? I, I think that's bigger than the Russians. But that was also already after the rape stuff. So No, already- it wasn't. This Buster is, was before the rape stuff? I believe so, yeah. This is oh. all before the rape. He hadn't gone to jail for this at least. This was in 92, and he lost. And what people don't remember about the Buster Douglas fight is Tyson actually knocked him down first. 
Tyson came that. in in Tokyo. He knocked him down, you know, and everyone, okay, here we go. Iron Mike cruising again, and then Buster knocks him down. And Mike may even have gotten him back one more time after that. I don't remember. But it was after the second or third Buster knockdown that you're like, okay, Mike is done. I just remember him trying to get his mouthpiece with his hands oh, yeah. and just like kind of not accepting what was happening and the ref just being like calling it, you know? But here's why I bring that up. Here's what happened. In that training, he was smoking weed at like every day in that training. Mm-hmm. He wasn't taking it seriously. Yeah. And he had, he had quit, really. Yeah. And boxing is one of those things, no matter like how good you are, if you're not like in it, yeah. the other motherfucker will come get you. And then what happened after that was the rape thing and being in jail. And when he came out of jail... He just wasn't, he wasn't the, the same. same fighter. Yeah. And the reason I say he was overrated is he had that one you know, run as a heavyweight, which is impressive. But as you said, he really didn't fight anybody. Yeah. And Mike Tyson never won a tough fight in his life. He never won a fight. Oh, really? He never won a tough fight in his life. Did he fights never go won... all the way with him? I don't think so. If he won a fight on the cards, it, very rare and seldom. You know, the exception rather than the rule. And uh, he never won a fight in which there was adversity or yeah. in which he was down. You know, so there was never a match in which he wasn't supposed to win where he won. Yeah. He never actually showed that moment of of a champion. Like, you know, Ali coming back, you know, after getting banned on some bullshit and he loses to Frazier. Mm -hmm. Everyone forgets Ali lost. Ali Frazier won. Mm-hmm. You know, but he came back after that. He yeah, became heavyweight champion yeah. two or three times after that. Yeah. And one matches he wasn't supposed to, fights he wasn't supposed to win. Yeah, that's true. You know, if Buster Douglas was the biggest upset of all time, it could easily be argued Ali over um, Foreman. Yeah, was was the biggest upset of all time. Fucking Foreman came back. Oh, that was a huge upset. People forget how big an upset that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was insane. Ali was supposed to be done. Yeah, but how good were those boxers heavyweights in the seventies? Like, just think about it. Foreman comes back at, like, 45 in 92 <laughs> and wins the belt when I'm he's, like, 45, dude. I don't even know who the champion is right now, the heavyweight champion. It's all convoluted. Is it a Klitschko? It's, no, is Klitschko's, Klitschko a thing? Klitschko's are done. It's fat-ass David Ruiz uh-huh. has one. Um, and the other one is the uh, – Amer- not Joshua. Ruiz beat Joshua. And then uh, the other guy. I, why do I want to say DeAndre Hopkins? Um I feel like people don't really care anymore because of the UFC. It fills the the bloodthirst Yo, in a way it, that's it, more authentic. It, it, Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder is the other champ. Uh, no, it absolutely – you're absolutely right. It does. And, you know, boxers still make more money, you know. and uh, But, you know, part of the reason that UFC is so popular is also part of the reason um, why boxers make so much money and that's because UFC has a single unitary league that is like the NFL or like the NBA in that they make the schedule yeah. so that the number six seed guy in a weight class is going to fight the number five seed guy. And the number four seed guy is going to fight the three seed guy. And the two seed guy is going to fight the challenger. And the challenger is going to get a chance at the champ. Everything makes sense. It's an ongoing tourney. So the narrative around the belt makes sense. Yeah. And for that reason, the belt has value. You know, you have all these different boxing belts like three different ones yeah and it's like they all lose value uh-huh. you, and you see you just said you don't know who heavyweight if this was 1952 you could tell me who the fastest man in the world was and you could tell me who the heavyweight champion was and those would be the two most important things mm-hmm. you know and you know fastest man in the world kind of but like how but, many boxing promotions are there now there's three major ones yeah. and then a whole bunch of regional and country ones that just aren't but i always liken to this so boxing used to be the most popular most popular uh sport that there simply was right one of the most popular baseball and boxing and it'd be like if the nfl which currently occupies the same space were to break up into three different leagues right Uh and then every weekend you would never get to see the good teams play yeah each other and then you would have to pay 50 bucks 70 bucks now yeah to watch them play I think the only way boxing could work again is if they were really able to tap into like Trump's xenophobia. So it'd be like the white guy versus the Mexican guy <laughs> or the American versus the Russian. I mean, I feel like that that's what it was back in the day is like, yo, that's two things on that. Number one, Trump tried to do that on The Apprentice. He wanted to have a white versus black challenge like he literally <laughs> tried to do that. And uh, what? Tommy's writing some weird shit on the door. Tommy, it's not like this is like, oh my god, people see behind the curtain. What's going to happen? 
Uh, number one is is that one. What was I just talking about before Tommy's fucked me up? Oh, I was talking about how boxing, like, th- when it really plays out effectively, it's tied into, like, nationalism and xenophobia. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Trump racism. Trump tried to have black people versus white people on The Apprentice. That's so fucked up. And NBC nixed it. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Number two, um, that's basically how the Nathan's uh, – I almost saw the Nathan Peterman's hot dog. The Nathan's hot dog guy. Yeah. That's how he built Joy the promotion. No, no, no. There's a guy behind that, the carnival okay. barker behind that. He literally dresses like the guy trying to sell you a monorail on The Simpsons. Okay, uh-huh. And he about has the same amount of ethics. ESPN did a 30 for 30 on the whole hot dog eating competition and Joey Chestnut versus Kobayashi. And what he did is, you know, Kobayashi was killing, killing, killing the star. Then Joey Chestnut started getting close to him. And these events happened on when? The 4th of July. Mm-hmm. So that guy oh, yeah. started building it as a xenophobic Joey Chestnut, mm-hmm. the American versus the hated Japanese foreigner. Yeah. And people went crazy for it. It really it built the promotion, which kind of shows you where we are as a country. But yeah. Yes, and it will never change. <laughs> so are people actually actively hating the Japanese hot dog eater? Yeah. What a weird thing to hate. Like, how dare you eat hot dogs yeah, on our soil? Yeah, exactly. And it's really sad. If you guys want to watch, it's like a surprisingly touching story about competitive eating. You should watch uh, the 30 for 30. It's sad because they banned Kobayashi from being able to compete. Why? Because because he didn't want to be linked to a single promotion. They would have owned all of his rights. And he felt that they were kind of uh, also uh, maybe setting up certain events so Joey Chestnut could win, mm-hmm. and he didn't believe it was on the level. But he said, I'll still do Nathan's Hot Dog. They said, the only way you're doing it is if you sign like a lifetime contract oh, wow. with us. So he actually showed up. He shows up, right, to the thing after being banned. And in his words, he says, I think I'm going to show up, and everyone's going to be chanting, let him eat, let him eat. And then it's going to be this great heroic moment where they're going to be forced to let me take place in the competition. So Mm -hmm. Kobayashi gets there and it's not happening, gets up on stage and tries to get it going and da-da-da. And they ends up being a really sad scene and they arrest Mm -hmm. him for trespassing and he gets like arrested for it. So what is he doing now? It's sad, dude. Like So in the documentary, he was just like in the backyard of some Brooklyn... (laughs) Like bar Kobayashi, so he lives in America. So? He's, yeah, he lives in America. I think he's an American citizen now, and he's oh, in the back God. of a Brooklyn bar, just like doing a hot dog for like twenty people to come see, <laughs> and it's really fucking sad, actually. Oh. And he actually cries in the movie about. He goes, "I thought this was America, and you come here, and everybody can be American, mm-hmm. and everybody will accept you for your skills and talents, mm-hmm. but people will come up to me and like say all this racist shit and all this like stuff." Oh my God. I, I was mean, like, even damn, to this day. man, you can't even eat hot dogs in peace. <laughs> it's sad. America. America. Um, yeah, Bill, but what's going on? I don't know. We're talking about Mike Tyson, how his legacy is. Uh, you think he's overrated? I think he's overrated. What are you, what are you saying on the Mike Tyson in his pantheon of boxers? Because I think he's he's so clip-heavy, even though it was the 80s, that, and his knockouts are so great to watch, people just assume that he was better than he was, and he was such a big media story. Do you think that who's the best boxer of all time? Marciano? Sugar Ray Robinson. Okay. It's probably the best of all time. My, my, not my favorite of all time, but Sugar Ray is probably the best. Okay. The amount he fought over the amount of time, the few amount of losses, especially in terms of where he was in his prime. Not Floyd? No, Floyd didn't. Floyd's great. I think he's a little bit hurt by his era and uh, a little hurt by his era and his output. I, I, I think Floyd has to be in the top 10. Uh, he won tough fights. He won fights he was behind in. Floyd checks all of the boxes, really. He really does. I, I mean, think, he's never lost. It's hard to not make him. Well, okay. Rocky Marciano, for one, is 51-0, and 0, but he didn't have a tough fight in his life, they say. You know, or his era was really light, you know? So it's kind of, like, relative. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Ali is there in the top five. Ali has more of course, yeah. tough losses, probably, than he should. But, again, it's like... Where do you put longevity versus loss? If somebody's mm-hmm. fighting at 38 and they're still winning heavyweight championships and then losing to Ken Norton the next fight and then winning the next one, I mean, where do you rank that to still be winning at that age? You know, yeah. To me personally, what hurts me with Floyd is he didn't take Manny when Manny was ready. For I him. know. But Manny's back, man. Apparently Manny's about to fucking I, throw down. I think Manny could take him now. I think Manny could take him today. I think everyone uh, that'd be that'd be the biggest pay per view in the history of, of again. Boxing. You think it would? If they fight, even yeah. now, yeah, even, even now, now, Floyd won't do it. He has nothing to gain from it. 
Except for a bajillion dollars. <laughs> Isn't he like all obsessed with his money? Why well, not? let's hope he's by spending money on pigeons and Siberian tigers <laughs> and like all that kind of shit so he can get broke and we can watch him fight. I kind of want to hang out with Mike Tyson though now. You know what I mean? Yo, Mike Tyson seems chill as fuck now. Yeah. He like, he knows what's up. He gives you like, he's low key wise. Yeah. You know, like he doesn't always get his contractions in the right place, mm-hmm. but he's low key. He's got some like life lessons. Mm-hmm. He's seen some shit. He's like a guru now. He's like a guru now. Yeah. You should have like a temple that you go see Mike Tyson, <laughs> Mike Tyson. spend money, just get some advice. If Mike Tyson started a religion, people would probably follow it. People would die. Oh, yeah. They totally would. Yeah, for sure. I would. If Mike Tyson became a Republican, he could probably win the primaries <laughs> in 2024. <laughs> but let's end it on that note. Bill Dawes. Yeah. Do we have a – Ian, are you there? Do you have a life question of the week or no? Life question of the week from Ian. Does Ian have a life – because Tommy Let's play left. the music, the life question music. Uh, why do we uh, fight over petty things? Good question. Why do we fight over petty things? Like, give an example. On a personal sense or on a nation-state sense? Uh, pe- like a personal sense. Hmm. Do you want to take it first, Bill? Why do you think we fight over petty things? I'll tell you why we fight over petty things. Because we are stuck in the belief that things have to do with us that have nothing to do with us and that everything is personal <laughs> and nothing is personal. So when something petty happens that, that triggers us and triggers our fear and insecurity about our place in society and our place as a man or a woman, uh, we think that that thing that triggered us is the issue as opposed to the fact that we have the trigger from our own childhood trauma. So instead of going like, oh, trigger, you're so funny, we look at that thing as the agent of our uncomfort and discomfort and so we attack that thing and that thing could be like why did you put the toothpaste there in the wrong spot look at the sink it's covered with toothpaste film and deep down it's just it's just an inability to truly address childhood trauma yeah and letterman goes i used to chip those off the sink and serve them as dinner mints (laughs) (laughs) was that from a stand-up that's from a stand-up oh that's fucking great oh his other one is uh Oh, fuck. Something about using midgets for yardage markers at driving ranges. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it was so funny, though. Um, yeah, oh, those Letterman stand-ups are good, but, you know, he never had to do it for long. For, like, he was, How he, great he was would that for be? three years Just do three before, years, three or four years, like, you got a show. You got a show. You yeah. never have to hang out with stupid audience members well, again. Yeah, it was, er, I mean, it was easier in the late 70s. There was, like, you know, there were 10 everyone was going to get a shot. Yeah, there was, like, literally 10 comics. Yeah. Um, okay, so why do we fight over petty things? It has to do with ego. Uh, ego in the Tollhartian sense, I believe. Uh, we all are attached to these ideas of ego, and uh, so we compromise our identities as or, uh, of those things. So, for instance, if I was looking at my, I am Sean, I am an Indian, I am an American, I am a Colts fan, I am a Pacers fan, I am a Hindu, okay? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, a lot of sports arguments... The, way, the reason they get heated past fun sports arguments and become personal are the same reason religious arguments become personal because we identify with those things as so much of who we are and we view our own identity and self-image as those things. Mm-hmm. I'm a Pacers fan. I'm a Christian. I'm a Muslim. Mm-hmm. That when those ideas are challenged or attacked, it's like you're attacking the very ego or identity of that person themselves. Which is what's happening in America with Trump supporters. Exactly. And that that stretches to a personal thing like, oh, why did my girlfriend put the toothbrush there? She knows I like it there. Mm-hmm. I take that as a personal violation. She's not respecting me. Mm-hmm. Which is really saying my ego wants to eat and feed. And my ego feels damaged. Yeah. So a lot of it's just really petty ego stuff. And uh, sadly, instead of elevating that and becoming conscious above that, we're almost moving more inwardly within the pettiness of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just see it kind of in, in the way the country and the world is moving today. Always in an argument, I, it always annoys me when people assume the person yelling the loudest wins. And that's kind of where we are, rather than listening to the substance of, of what somebody's well, saying. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week. Fanatics, everybody, at Fanatics Pod. Find Bill Dawes. Well, we'll be teaching him elements of wokeness. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Talk about studies. Peace.